And good afternoon. It's a minute after 12 o'clock, 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM as we are here for the Jack Michael Show. Derek Hansen and Brad Anderson and I believe Jack is, I don't know if he's on the road yet or not. And we'll check and see. Are you there, sir? Hello, do you have me here? We've got you. We've got you. How's it going? Doing well. Coming to you from Studio North, as we like to call it, where... I am in the home of the uh, the Thompson Tommies right now and looking out my window and watching uh, a little bit of dusting of snow coming down and uh, awaiting the the apocalyptic whatever is on its way. So hopefully everybody, <laughs> hopefully everybody is safe out there. Yeah. It looks pretty docile out there right now uh, here anyway. We've got a little bit of light snow, but uh, it sounds like the, the wind coming in was uh, just uh, talking to Tom Shemansky before he... Um, Took off, I think, for lunch, and uh, and I was asking about got some people coming from uh, from the west. I said, Are they will they be able to make it? And he says, Well, if they get out there early enough, yes. But other than that, he says it might be a little bit iffy. So um, yeah. you're going the you're going the opposite direction. So uh, I'm, I'm going the other. Yeah, the dice I'm rolling are going from east to west, but uh, leaving tomorrow morning. So uh, when when is not any better, by the way. But I think it's going to be a little less snow, but probably the same amount of wind but it, it's amazing it, it couldn't you know it's terrible because everybody is trying to make plans for the holiday and did you guys see the uh, speaking of just adjusting schedules by the time i i was getting pregame yesterday for the und basketball game like emails were being sent out going this game's canceled this game's postponed this game's moved up this game's moved up that game's postponed like the summit league nothing that was scheduled for day two of the summer league this week played at its original time or original day uh, in, in some aspects. So that was absolutely nuts uh, yesterday, including a, a boatload of games today, you know, that are just getting underway on the women's and or men's side, for goodness sakes. Yes, NDSU is actually just getting underway right now. The women are at the shack against St. Thomas. The men are down at uh, Shuniker Arena in St. Paul, and uh, safe travels to them. They uh, make it back. Uh, UND's game with Western Illinois has been uh, postponed to January 23rd, which I believe is a Monday. Um, just one other note here as well as far as uh, updated games. I got this from the Fargo Force. The uh, game last Friday that was wiped out due to the weather, Sioux Falls could not uh, uh, make it up. They'll play that now February 15th, a Wednesday night at uh, Shields Arena. Well, and, and on top of and, and on top of everything, of course, yesterday the the death of a of a legend and, mm-hmm. that obviously made news and and a little bit of history last night, uh, Brad and D that uh, that I I called a game where the second quarter and women play quarters and it's been a a few years now where the ladies have played quarters instead of halves, but I, I called a basketball game, a collegiate Division One basketball game, not that divisions necessarily matter. That did not feature a team scoring a point, and that's the, the first time for everything. That's the first time I've seen that. I know it happens in various. I know it happens in high school sometimes. I know it might happen. I don't think it's happened in halves. But Brad D, that's that was. Uh, I I realized it about the the the, first, the media timeout last night in the second quarter, and Alex Stalker Johnson is to my left and on the bench, and 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 uh, yes, I did. I. Kind of looking up there, and I, I knew that that, Saint, uh, that Western Illinois had gone into a scoring drought. I, and I was broadcasting, going, well, Lutternex having trouble scoring here. You know, but didn't realize, like, they were just 0 for 2 for the freeze line. That was it. And pretty soon there's three minutes to go, and they haven't scored a point. 
And then there's three seconds to go, and they're at the line and miss two free throws and do not score a point. Brad, D, that's that's the first time I've seen that uh, personally, but I know it's happened before. I, yeah, I want to say it's happened. I know I've, I know it's happened in high school a few times calling games for me, and I want to say it's happened with the Wildcats, I think, maybe once or twice, but I, I'm trying to remember specific uh, times it's happened, but I'm pretty sure that it's happened. So, kind of a it's, Jack it's, Morris uh, situation, huh? That's pretty good. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Keep pitching zeros out there. So, it, it was a shutout. I was just, uh, I was uh, like, wow, okay, that's that's what that looks like. I guess, huh? That's but, it's very odd. Twenty-one consecutive stops. Boy, just that's the, impressive. The Vikings, yeah, if the Vikings could get twenty-one consecutive stops. We're talking Super Bowl champions, kids. We are, <laughs> right. uh, you know, that's. Right. Um, couple of, yeah, a couple of things okay. here. Uh, you mentioned Franco Harris. Uh, it sounds like surprising. I don't think he was sick or anything from the stories that I've read, but passed away at 72, and yeah. ironically enough, just ahead of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which would be uh, this weekend, and ironically, the Steelers playing the Raiders. And it got me to thinking about Franco. You think about the, the great moments with the Steelers and over a decade with the Steelers and the four Super Bowls. But do you remember where he finished his career? It was not with the Steelers. I do. Seattle. Yep. The Seahawks. And it, it got me to thinking about, uh, we might have had this topic before about s- superstars that ended up playing somewhere where you, you may have forgot. Yeah. It's a great question, Brad and Derek. It, 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 superstars that, I think the way we phrase it, we maybe threw this out oh, a long time ago, but maybe not. But you're right, Brad. I think the question was like uh, like superstars you just couldn't see and that doesn't look right in another uniform. I think it's something like that. We threw that doesn't it didn't look yes. right in another uniform. Right. I think yeah, and that that certainly is one of them, guys. I don't know about your favorite Franco memories. Obviously, the immaculate reception is is goes down in NFL lore, but I I I remember when he was in Fargo and he was he was uh, promoting. I believe a food product, Muffins, if I'm not mistaken, a company that he had been a spokesman for, and Newman Outdoor Field, the Red Hawks were part of selling a product. So he was, you know, I think through Tim Flackle got him up here, but he he ended up coming into uh, to Fargo to Newman Outdoor Field to promote said product. So he was out to Newman Outdoor Field. Dan Michaels, he threw out the first pitch, and Dan Michaels, our colleague, who's the biggest Steelers fan I know. Uh, uh, caught the opening pitch from Franco, and he didn't throw out a baseball. Michael stood up, and, and, and Franco threw him a football, which was kind of a, a neat experience at Newman Outdoor Field. But I remember having Franco in the booth, and, and he and Maury, you know, and I looked to my right, and I'm, I took a moment because we should all take a moment. Uh, when that, and I looked to my right, and there's Maury, and there's Franco Harrison. I thought, wow, you know, two guys with pretty good storied past. And Franco then, Brad Derek, still, I asked him, and he still didn't tell me if that ball touched the ground or not. He never told anybody what his thoughts were. He goes, oh, what did you see? That's his response was always, what did you see? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, to this day, no one really knows for sure, right? And it's just kind of the way the camera, just the way it took place. It there's a lot of conspira- happened so fast. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about it. And I think there's a, um, if you watch some of the uh, documentaries on NFL Network, uh, Football Life, I think they have a, uh, they have one just, they have an hour just dedicated to that moment, and yeah. uh, but there's a lot of uh, stories about whether he he caught it or not. If it was a double touch, when back of those days you couldn't 
if it went off of because there was that collision with Jack Tatum and uh, the Frenchie yep. Fuqua, and I think if it would have been off of Fuqua and then caught by Harris, it wouldn't have counted because he couldn't have uh, the double touch by one team or by the off at least by the offensive unit, I believe it was. So um, there's that whether he actually caught it or not because some of the video like from the NFL films and from the original video from NBC, whether it doesn't really actually show that he caught it. And the other thing, and John Madden always talked about this, is they never signaled touchdown after that play happened because nobody knew what happened. <laughs> That's right. Nobody That's signaled right. touchdown. And he said, and Madden goes out in the field and, and goes, and the official says, hold on, we don't know what happened. And he says, I'm going to tell you what happened. <laughs> so the story so the, the story goes is they, they one of the officials called, I think, the Pittsburgh Police Department and said, well, you know, our our first thinking is it's it was a double touch, it's not a touchdown. How many other officers can you bring? And I think they told him it was only like uh, five or six. And then they that was one one of the stories that the uh, somebody from the Raiders brought up. And they said in that case it's a touchdown and the Pittsburgh wins because if they wouldn't have called that a touchdown, they would have burned three three River Stadium down. So. Great story, yeah. Brad. That's good recall on that, man. It's a uh, you know we live in replay now. You know we we're so used to now. You know, on looking back at plays, was it or wasn't it? And it, it all goes down to what was the call on the field? Would replay now overturn it? So, so it's it's funny that if had we had all those things in place, and as you're right, double touch would have negated uh, that. But uh, you wonder now if it was ruled a catch on the field, they went to replay, would they have overturned that? immaculate reception or not you know yeah i don't know if there's conclusive evidence right yeah i I think that was part of it is like you look at the videos i don't think they had as many cameras or as many replays uh available as we do now so i don't know if there's any any way they would have overturned it and we may never know to this day christmas uh, a little early for the colleges uh, today Uh, also right brad and derrick at the national letter of intent Signing day today in uh, North Dakota State added uh, 20, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe UND added 26 uh, from various walks of life. I was always curious about, you know, portal signs yeah. and this, that, and another thing. And then uh, I know UND uh, got a kid out of uh, uh, transfer from New Mexico. I know Wesley Elidor, who's been in the league, pretty good receiver, uh, you know, in all those years with South Dakota. Uh, to North Dakota, so that's big. And for North Dakota State, obviously, uh, they went out and and supplied themselves with some pretty good uh, pretty good talent on signing day. But uh, between UND and NDSU, you know, 46 uh, new additions to the programs. Yeah, and looking at UND, I know Derek, you mentioned uh, we were talking, I think, earlier in the fall about Ethan Bull out of Crookston. He officially yes. signed at UND. You've had a chance to see him. Yeah, he's a, a player. he's a beast. There's no doubt. He's going to be a nice addition for Bubba, I think. I think that'll be a, a nice fit for him just down the road. Yep, and uh, they've got Landon Dockin, kicker and a punter from Fargo South. And uh, NDSU got three North Dakota kids, including their guys from Davies. Um, I got to see I got to see Oliver Locke play some baseball. He played uh, in the summer for Post 400, and he's a pretty good two-way player. They've got him listed as a linebacker, but he was kind of a receiver slot back type for um, – for Davies, and then um, Brennan Palmer, a uh, real good defensive end out of uh, Davies as well, had uh, 40 tackles, eight sacks for the Eagles this past fall, also signing at NDSU. So kind of looking to, yeah. in, in, interesting to see. I mean, they, it seemed like they always get a quarterback, 
uh, in each uh, each recruiting class. They got somebody out of Jamestown, New York. Trey Drake is his name, 6'3", 206 pounds. Um, just kind of looking. I always like to look to see kind of by position how they go. And um, not a lot of receivers, but I think they they kind of went receiver heavy in the least previous class or two. And I think of there's some uh, some players. I think Hegerly from West Fargo might be one they like, and a couple guys out of the Twin Cities as well. So uh, I think they've I I think they feel like they they've got some some players that will be part of the uh, equation here in the next year or two as far as that uh, that position anyway. And I'll throw another one, uh, guys, too, uh, in the issue. Austin Schultz, a lineman from Moorhead, uh, the Spuds. And, and you look in recent years, and, and not even recent, obviously the Spuds are a, a big school that's produced a lot of talent. But in recent years from football, whether it's going to you know, D2, FCS, or FBS, for goodness sakes, <laughs> Spuds are in play, <laughs> as, as we say. The Spuds are in play. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Kevin Feeney, there's no doubt there's a commitment there. Weight room is uh, also big at Moorhead High, and, you know, that that's something that college coaches notice, too. What the, what's the weight program at the high school that you're at? And that really makes a difference. Well, Lenius Davis uh, has also signed uh, his Moorhead uh, product. He signed at the University of Washington today as well. Oh, wow. Washington, that's right. Well, that's, a, yeah. that's not bad. Cool. And, of course, the biggest name out there that signed in the country was Arch Manning's going to be a Longhorn, which... Uh, you know, here's the the third generation of this uh, whole crew. The, this whole, you know, I mean, I guess like, is there another first family of NFL football than the Mannings? I mean, that, it's just unheard of, isn't it? To I me, mean, think about all the quarterbacks that, you know, and Cooper, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, probably would have been a wide receiver in the NFL too. Mm-hmm. His father. Yeah, death taxes and Manning a Manning playing football right. somewhere. It's bonkers. My, <laughs> yeah, he threw. By the way, Derek, since you brought him up. Uh, Arch Manning, who is highly touted, obviously. School numbers were, <clears throat> but Arch Manning threw for 8,599 <laughs> yards with 150 <laughs> touchdowns, and he rushed for almost 1,155 and 25. So he he accounted for 9,006 over 9,700 yards and like uh, 140 touchdowns in his high school career. Not bad. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I'm sure he's gonna have a hard time getting a girlfriend in Austin. I mean, right, right. You just wonder of all the programs out there, and I'm sure he could have had his pick of, you know, why Texas? Yeah, I don't know. I just that's just odd to me. Well, Austin's a beautiful city, from what it they is. say. I guess the campus is great, and yeah. I'm sure you know he's, you know, down in that area, right? So it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's. I, I guess every kid has a reason. Yeah, I guess. Well, I- I'll tell you this: having a niece that uh, that teaches uh, what kindergarten at taught kindergarten in Austin, and, and and she's my brother's daughter. I know where Arch is probably going to be steered away from though is is like Sixth Street. That's the street in Austin. That's the that's the college. That's where it's got all the things on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, what's not to like about Austin? It certainly is a is a good collegiate town that's popping and hopping, and you know he can rise at Texas and and get her done. So you know. You know, kids today, sometimes they don't want to follow all the way through mom or dad's footsteps sometimes. Sometimes they, they carve their own path out. But, boy, he's uh, he has certainly got all the all the stuff. How long, how many years in college before he's in the uh, National Football League? I don't know. I don't want to project the kid too much. But pedigree, as Derek brought up, and and uh, development, we'll find out. Yeah, very yeah, very true. So Well, it's uh, at the Part of it, I feel bad for him, though, because if he doesn't develop that way, 
that's going to be tough. Right. He's been talked about for a year and change, right? About the where he's going to go, this you know, the next phenom. And if it doesn't work out, it, you know, that's considering your two uncles, what they have become, and what your grandfather was. That, that's tough. Yeah, he's going to be doing insurance ads like right. the Pauls, like one, one the the athlete and the brother you didn't know, like oh, he's got a brother. What, what did he do? You know, he didn't do anything. Yeah, that's right. No, it's all good. It's all good. Good stuff. But good for the colleges. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, we say today, you got to recruit. Uh, you got to recruit your own to try to stay, and you got to recruit the kids and sign them. So everybody's sitting around. Are, are we still using fax machines? That's the only That's thing. A good I, question. I don't know if you can like electronically sign now and just that's that's good enough for the NCAA. It's uh, the rules seem to change. I'm not uh, not sure. I would about think that. so. Yeah. yeah, I would think that probably be a little bit easier. So uh, headlines today. We'll have uh, Alan Horton, uh, radio voice of the Timberwolves, will join us here a little later on in the program. But um, well, a little plot twist in the Carlos Correa saga. As uh, Evans, how about that? He is uh, well. There was some uh, questions after his physical with the San Francisco Giants. So uh, I don't know if the deal really went null and void or what the question was, but all of a sudden overnight, 12-year, $315 million deal with the New York Mets. It sounds as if Correa will play third base because they've already you know, put the King's ransom to get uh, uh, Francisco Lindor a couple of years ago. And money, no object for the New York Metropolitans. My goodness. <laughs> Did you guys see, I was saying this morning at KFGO Sports, they, and to Brad, to your point, if if my numbers are right, I think I saw somewhere like the Mets have committed somewhere in the neighborhood or north of eight hundred million dollars to free agents this off season. Eight hundred million. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking for oh. the I'm looking for that number, but yeah, I think you are. Uh, and then here's the other thing too, if they complete the Correa deal, this is from Jeff Passan from ESPN, the team's estimated payroll would be around three hundred eighty-four million dollars. So if you base it on that number, the Mets would owe an additional $111 million in the luxury tax. Oh. <laughs> so it's come it's come to this. The luxury tax that is about to, to, to slam on, on the Mets' head is greater probably than some teams' actual payroll. Pretty much. <laughs> right? That's where we're at right now. You talk about the rich and richer and the whatever. Think about that. The tax imposed on going over a threshold has become greater, maybe, than some teams' entire payroll. Put that in perspective for a second. But let's think about what these organizations must be worth. Because if the Phoenix Suns are going for four billion dollars, the Phoenix Suns, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. middle of the pack, you know, market-wise or whatever, in the NBA, which is not as valuable as NFL teams, that shows you how out of whack this is. I mean, just and so. We shouldn't be surprised by any of this. Even after COVID, where attendance figures were, you know, all that damage that they had with that, TV rights had to be turned back. Yeah. We're still talking about that type of money. I, I, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah, if it's the regional TV deals, national TV deals, especially those regional TV deals in baseball, uh, certainly uh, have, have brought in some additional right. revenue in that regard. But, you know, it reminds me a little bit. Of George Steinbrenner in the 80s, you know, where the Yankees just kept spending money, some of it good, some of it good after bad, and I think won one pennant in the 80s, and they just kept, you know, and that's what there was no, I mean, the salary structure was, you know, they were they were having having knots then. It's maybe not quite the gap that we have in today's modern baseball, but it just seemed like the Mets are just spending money to spend money, and so far it hasn't, no, it hasn't led to anything. 
You, you wonder we'll you wonder at what point, if it doesn't work this year or in a couple of years, you blow it up or what they're exactly they're going to do. But I mean, yeah. it, it, that's one of the things that reminded me of was you know Steinbrenner in the '80s and maybe into the early '90s with the Yankees, and it didn't really bring them much of anything. Uh, they don't have to worry about it. And I see, uh, oh my goodness, time flies. I know that Allen's standby run 12:20 today. But my last thing on that point is is that uh, that even if you offer these guys this kind of money with that kind of length and guarantees, whether it's 12 or 13, and they don't work out with you, and they work a deal out, someone else will pick up that tab. You know, some, there's another team that's going to go, yeah, all right, we'll we'll link up the rest of his 10, we'll trade this and go that. So it's it's not just the Mets. Other teams will absorb that if they don't work out with that original team. That's how much money's floating around in uh, in baseball. So, yeah, a lot of stuff today. Certainly signing day, uh, the passing of Franco Harris, the, uh, the Wolves tonight, the Summit League basketball going on. And, and I see we probably, I know I text Alan Horton that he'd be giving him a ring. So, boys, I'm going to go out and shovel uh, shovel something. <laughs> <laughs> shovel what you need to shovel. <laughs> and we'll certainly be in touch, and I'll tune in and and, uh, and 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 rock and roll with you the rest of the way out here. All right. Well, safe travels, and uh, get out uh, get out west, and uh, and uh, all the best to you and your family. If we don't talk to you before uh, before Christmas, you too. You guys, Merry Christmas, and 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 for Rachel, say put the fractions down and have a cookie. <laughs> Well, I say school is done uh, about 2:30 this afternoon, and uh, she'll be uh, she'll be off the clock, so to speak, for about a week and a half. So be it'll be off fine. The clock, excellent. All right, guys. All right, we'll see you, Jack Michaels, uh, from uh, on location as uh, he heads out west for a well-deserved uh, holiday break. 12:23, we'll visit with Alan Horton, the radio voice of the Timberwolves, coming up here in just a moment on the Jack Michaels Show on the Fan. Paul Allen, Zadarius Smith is running around on one leg. Yeah. Can I get a round of applause for how tough that sucker is? I ain't kidding you, man. 9 to noon weekdays on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. It is time for this week's Fans Finest, presented by Cass Clay Creameries. A lot of great performances in the area this week. We will highlight a girls' basketball standout for this week's Fans Finest. West Fargo senior and NDSU commit, Morali Simon. Simon, two double-doubles this past week. Let's start with Friday. Packers beat Chanley 76-42, pulling away in the second half. Simon at 33 points, 11 rebounds, going 11-12 of 12 from the free throw line. Then on Monday, Packers went out to Valley City and took care of the highlighters. Simon, another double-double, 37 points, 12 rebounds, also blocked four shots and had four steals. And to finish off the week, busy week for the Packers. They defeated Fargo North on Tuesday night, 76-48. Simon, 13 points, seven rebounds, nine of those points coming from the free throw line. Congratulations out to West Fargo senior post and a good one, Mariley Simon. She is this week's Fans Finest. Fans Finest presented by Cass Clay Creameries. Four and a half left to play. Wolves with possession from right to left. Towns up top. Straight away three. Bingo as it circles around the drain and finally drops. An 11-point Timberwolves lead. Their largest of the game. Sunday morning ever and Sunday passing by. I'll be working here forever. At least until I die. Damn if you do. Damn if you don't. I'm supposed to get a Welcome back to the Jack Michaels Show. Derek Hanson, Brett Anderson in for Jack. It's a pleasure to have with us the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Uh, getting ready for Christmas. It's hard to believe that we're just talking about a number of days before Christmas, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it is kind of crazy the way the holidays kind of sneak up, especially when you're preparing for games left and right. Um, you know, the games don't stop, uh, even though the Timberwolves don't play on Christmas. You know, they're not home for Christmas. They play uh, two nights before in Boston, and then they play the night after in Miami. So um, you're kind of preparing for games while still trying to get prepared to try to enjoy the holidays a little bit. Huh? So, I mean, where are you going to be then over the holiday? You're going to just be sitting in Miami then, or? Uh, the team will fly after the game from Boston in Miami. Uh, I'm going to try to sneak back home and, and, and spend about 24 hours uh, here with the family and then try to fly out on Christmas Day to uh, get down to Miami for the game the following night. So uh, oftentimes around the holidays, you can if you can if there's a gap in there and there's some direct flights, sometimes you can squeeze home for a little bit. Well, Timberwolves take on the uh, Mavericks again after uh, two, really two pretty good performances. First off... Uh... Hundred and a half, hundred and fifty points. Uh, have you ever ever called a game with uh, with that much offensive firepower? You know, it's funny. I, I, I it didn't really hit me because you know scoring has gone so up in the NBA over the last couple of years mm-hmm. that um, there have been some games in the one thirties, the one forties, uh, but one fifty was was definitely a kind of a whoa one fifty. That's that's a lot of points. And you look it up on Basketball Reference, you're like wow, it's the most in franchise history. Um, that was um, that was that was pretty startling, basically because. I had been talking leading up into the game about how the Wolves' offense had really struggled. They had lost uh, 7 out of 10, and during that stretch, their offense was 29th. We know all the injuries have added up. A couple of starters, a couple of rotation players out. Uh, and to put up 150 points uh, against the ninth-ranked defense in the NBA, um, that was that was shocking to see. I think, it, I think it said a lot about where Chicago was. They finally got a win last night, but they're in disarray, um, giving up those kind of numbers. And DeMar DeRozan, after the game, said, it was just embarrassing uh, to give up that many points, and it is. Even if it's against the number one offense in the NBA, that's a that's a huge number to give up. But uh, the Wolves will take it. They've had such a roller coaster season, and now they're kind of riding a little bit of a high here, having won three in a row and a chance to sweep the Mavericks in this little mini two game series. It's interesting because you know early on there's so much frustration, and, and you know, but there is a lot of turnover in this roster, and I'm not making excuses, but. I guess we should have maybe understood that it's going to take a while for everyone to find their role, you know, when they had that little hiccup through the early part of the season, and maybe they're finding their groove a little bit now, even though they are dealing yeah. with some injuries. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, I think I even I kind of thought, okay, we can just plug Rudy, plug and play, just get Rudy in there, and it'll, it'll, they'll work it out. But it really got off to a bad start in training camp when Cat missed the first week, and then Rudy missed the second week, and then they just played one preseason game together for about fifteen minutes. Um, and they, they, they started to kind of hit their stride a little bit, uh, but then all of a sudden the injuries start mounting, and then you can't get any time together and cats out for a significant period of time. Um, and so they really haven't kind of coalesced and come together that starting five because we haven't seen it in a long time. Um, so they're going to have to they're going to have to survive this time without cat, and then hopefully when cat comes back, everybody else is healthy too, and now you begin the process kind of again of reacclimating Cat and getting everybody on the same page and kind of ramping up towards the end of the season. Anthony Edwards, I thought a really good note here, Chris Hindhead in the uh, his uh, uh, article in the Star Tribune. Last, I mean, you talk about the points that he scored, but the last three games for the Wolves, 27 assists. He's uh, he's becoming a playmaker. He's just taking it to that next level here as of late. He's got the ball in his hands a lot more. He's um, He's got a, a nice feel for the game. Um, when to look for his scoring, when to try to set up his teammates. He's, th- he's, he's, he's threatened with a triple-double in each of the last three games. He's come really close. Uh, it's, re- it's right on the verge of happening. And I could think, you know, at the end of that game against Dallas, you could tell they were hunting for that, 
the hunting for that final assist, and he almost got it. He set up Nas Reed on a straightaway three with about a minute left, and Nas missed the three, which would have been a career high for Nas, and it would have given Ant the triple double. And, uh, you know, Ant joined me on the post game show after that, and he just kind of laughed it off and said, hey, that's just the way it goes. You, you know, we'll get one, we'll get it one of these days. But he really, I think he really wanted that one, especially in front of the home crowd. Yeah, and it's just a. I think so much of it kind of goes on, you know, so many teams, you know, it kind of goes on how the point guard goes, right? I mean, I think that's the case. And I guess this team is really going to be no different many times. Yeah, it's, um, you know, whether it's D'Lo, whether it's Ant handling the ball, it's, um, you know, it's it's those guys need to be on for this team to win, right? And and for Ant, he has risen to the occasion. And even D'Lo, like he had an off, light, off night uh, the other night, but he had strung together you know, really good stretch. It really had broken down like first 11 games of the season. He he talked about trying to do too much. He was thinking too much like a point guard. and He just realizes I got to get back to just being a basketball player. And, and we've seen that the last three, four weeks now from him where he's just playing and not necessarily trying to organize things and uh, pick out who to, who to, who to feed, who to keep hot, who to, who to get a touch doing all those really traditional point guard things. He's not a traditional point guard. He's more, um, of a off ball and on ball uh, point guard, he can he can do both. And sometimes when Ant has the ball, that allows D'Lo to thrive in that off guard, in that off guard spot. So it's uh, it's really been a nice combination. I think that's uh, that's worked pretty well. Nas Reed's played real well as of late, and you know, he's obviously has stepped up well with, with without Cat and without Gobert. Uh, what uh, what does he bring to this team? Uh, hustle, energy, life. Uh, he's just he's just chomping at the bit, trying to get. Uh, the opportunity, you know, he's had to fill so many different roles, whether it was the third center on this team, whether it's the backup four, whether he's certain games early in the year, he wasn't even seeing the floor. Um, he's been trying to find playing time. And when they brought Rudy in, in the offseason, um, that kind of clogged an avenue for him to try to get playing time. So um, he's taking advantage of it. And like every touch he gets, he's a threat. And now defenses have to, you know, have to react to that because he, he can either shoot the three, which is shooting really well right now. Or he's just getting right to the rim and he's scoring well inside. He's having one of his best, one of his best statistical seasons, uh, shooting at the rim, just about eighty percent. Um, and and he moves so quickly too. His 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 moves are so fluid. I think he's really worked on that over the last few years. Um, you know, he was an undrafted free agent. And he's kind of worked his way up into a bigger and bigger role. And now he's kind of taking advantage of the opportunity he's got in front of him. Um, and we'll see if he gets an opportunity here tonight again. It is going to be interesting, I think, after the the holiday break here. You know, they're probably going to want to put the pedal to the metal if they get everyone healthy and all that. And I think, you know, that's going to be kind of the test to see where they fit in, where they slot in for the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully they won't have to play a you know, play-in game like they did last year. I mean, I've, I'm really curious because then the focus won't be on his football as much, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I, I think, you know, people will start paying attention to what's going on here. Yeah, no doubt. And, and what they need to do now is just kind of, I don't want to say tread water, but just, you know, it, it's so tough every single night in this league. It's amazing. Uh, there's some games that the Wolves have lost this year where you're like, well, that should have been a win. They should have beaten, uh, you know, Oklahoma City on the home floor. They shouldn't have lost twice to San Antonio. There's some other games as well. But every night, like, if you don't bring it, you're going to get beat. Um, this this league goes hard, and I don't know that it always shows through on television all the time, but being there in person and seeing how hard these guys work each each night – like if you if you just don't bring it, you're going to get beat. And the good thing is the Wolves have a talent level. When you mix in Rudy Gobert to what the Wolves already had, um, you you've got a talent level that now if you're playing well and playing together, 
which we really haven't seen at peak, I think, for, for, for a considerable period of time. Uh, and we won't see a peak until Cat gets back in January. But you've got a talent level that you can beat anybody on any night. Uh, now, this road trip will be daunting because you're playing Boston and Milwaukee, the two top teams in the East, and you're playing New Orleans, the top, uh, top four team in the West, plus Miami, which is always uh, – they're, they're struggling a little bit this year at 500, but that's never an easy – even though the Wolves have had some success in Miami, that's a tough team to play. But um, every single night it feels like you're playing a team that is just – you know, can can beat you if you don't bring it. I just I think there's so much parity right now, especially in the West. Nobody has run away with things. Um, there was a great stat the other day that you know over the last week, nobody or last ten days, nobody in the West had won more than you know six during that during that ten game stretch or something like that, which just tells you how 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 tight things are in the West and how these teams are kind of knocking each other off every single night. So I don't think you're going to see you know many teams run away with things. You just have to you have to stay in the fight. You just can't you know if you, if you do lose a couple in a row, you've got to get it back with a, like a three game win streak. Now get yourself back over the 500 mark. Uh, injury update on uh, Gobert and Anderson and uh, anybody else in the mash unit for the Wolves. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds like J Mac and TP and and Cat are, will remain out, um, and then. Uh, the uh, Kyle Anderson had the back issue flare up on him. He took kind of a hard fall against Chicago, and that was my first thought when I saw him go down. I'm like, oh, that's that's not good for his back. And he was kind of flexing it a little bit afterwards, and then missed uh, missed Monday's game. He's questionable. Rudy's questionable. So we'll have to wait and uh, see if those guys are available tonight. I was just looking at the top ten in the Western Conference. Kind of to your point, Alan, just in the last ten games for the last ten teams, there's a lot of. Fives and fives and six and fours. Yeah. And only Memphis is seven and three in that stretch. Right, they were the one team that got up uh, over six wins, I think, during that stretch. And it's, and and those top teams have kind of uh, well, you look up there one day and you see New Orleans in the top spot. Then you see Denver up there in the top spot. Now you got Memphis up there in the top spot. And look, as as good as those teams are, and they've got, they've got good players, they've got good coaches. Um, they've they've proven it year in year out. Memphis has, Denver has. New Orleans to a lesser extent, but they've certainly got the talent with Zion Williamson. Those those teams don't exactly put the fear of God into you. You know, I mean, this those are teams. Uh, the, the Timberwolves swept the Nuggets last year. Um, that's a team they match up really well against. Um, you know, we haven't faced New Orleans yet this year. You know, Memphis is always a battle, but I think I think the Wolves feel like they're right there with Memphis. Maybe Memphis has been more consistent, but my point is that those teams at the top is not like Phoenix running away with the West or Golden State. With the Splash Brothers, you know, going getting off to a thirty and three start to the season, those teams, those teams were legit. Um, even a team like Utah, which is ahead of the Wolves in the standings, that's that's not a team I think that put that that scares them. So I think they know that they can compete with these teams and and stay right with these teams in the West. I want to, you know, we'll talk about we'll kind of preview the game coming up tonight in just a little bit. But I did have to ask you. I brought this up before. We were just talking about. You know, Carlos Correa going to the Mets and all the money that they're spending and just looking at the world of sports in general. But, man, the Phoenix Suns going for $4 billion. It just shows you, even after the, the financial losses of the pandemic and all that, sports entertainment is still a big deal. And that that is an amazing amount of money. It is. These valuations continue to go through the roof in, in all the different sports. And, um, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good sign, I think, for everybody involved in the sport that the money is still there and that the model seems to be still working. And, um, I think there's a, you know, there's a lucrative TV deal coming down the road for the NBA coming up pretty soon that, uh, I think is going to be beneficial to all the teams as well. And I think, um, you know, 
expansion has been talked about for a number of years, but I think we're getting closer and closer probably to Las Vegas, Seattle um, coming into the league. And those will be, you know, who knows what the price tags for those uh, expansion teams will be um, that you're talking, you could have an influx. I mean, if, if, if 4 billion is the price now, uh, that's two teams at four billion. That's uh, that's a huge amount of money coming into the league and to the other owners. Um, yeah, you got to split that TV money a little bit differently now. But um, you know, going through the pandemic, a lot of the owners lost. Uh, well, at least some of them lost a, a, an incredible amount of money. So I think there's I think there's now a desire to get to 32 teams and to and to have that influx of cash come in with two new teams. Mem- Memphis and Minnesota head to the East then, or I mean. Well, you'd have to you'd have to have one team go to the yeah, Eastern yeah, Conference, right, right, right. Um, it, and it would be between I would think between Minnesota and Memphis. The, the one thing that benefits the Wolves is that you know their closest five, I think it's six opponents, are all in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. They've kind of got a natural geographic grouping with Chicago and Milwaukee, um, even Toronto, Chicago. I mean Toronto and Cleveland and Detroit are all relatively close. Indiana as well. Uh, Memphis kind of has their geographical grouping with, you know, Oklahoma City and the Texas teams and New Orleans. So I, you know, I would think that that, that Minnesota would be one of the one of the key teams that one of the top choices to move to the Eastern Conference, which I think would would cut down on travel significantly. That'd be for sure. Um, and, and as much as I would like to see the travel cut down, I I love the West. I love the West teams. I love playing all of them. I don't. You know, Indiana doesn't do much for me. Uh, Cleveland, night in, night out, doesn't do a lot for me. Seeing these teams four times, Detroit. Um, but I guess the travel would cut down, which would be significant. But I, I'll miss some of those matchups in the, you know, going to Denver and playing Utah and Portland and uh, going out west and playing the Lakers and Suns and, and Kings. I mean, all those places are great. So I'm a little bit torn on whether or not the uh, the Wolves will end up in the Eastern Conference. You mean you'd rather go to L.A., Denver, and Phoenix? <laughs> Than Cleveland and Detroit, in, in, I, mean, I just am shocked by this. Indian, Indianapolis, Indiana. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it'd be it'd be a tough toss up. I would play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can only go to Atlanta so many times. Yeah, right. right yeah. Exactly. Well, and you know Miami and I guess uh, Orlando, Orlando would be, okay, would be too yeah. bad. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Well, Alan, uh, good luck with the call tonight. Enjoy it. Uh, hopefully, they can come with a couple of victories, like like you mentioned, uh, Dallas, and then. Going to Boston, who's we know they're a tough team too. So it's going to be a interesting uh, listen, that is for sure. So yeah, enjoy- it's going to be fun. I, and I think Luca's going to be fired up after getting ejected the other night. Oh, I bet. The kid got tossed. It got heated a little bit. Jaden McDaniels was unbelievable guarding Luka Doncic. Um, he's now held Luka to three of eighteen shooting in four career matchups when they when Jaden's been the primary wow. defender. Um, and so that's going to be a really fun matchup tonight. And, and it's a game the Wolves really need to win. They have to win this. Like like we talked about, that four-game road trip is going to be brutal. Uh, they've got to pick up victories when they can. And uh, Dallas has really struggled on the road. But I tell you what, Luka, Luka is going to be – I think he's going to be a little ticked off tonight. I expect him to come out, um, you know, ready to play and, and up his game. So I think the Wolves have to match that. I mentioned this before to Brad. Luka looks like the guy who is like a really good college basketball player that goes to the Y at noon – and yeah. just t- tears up everyone because he just he's so odd looking and just how he goes, but he gets it done. It's I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah, it's really amazing because he looks just like uh, if he wasn't six foot seven, he looks like just an average guy. He right, look in great shape. Yep. Um, he looks even a little heavy, and he just you know he's not he's not in any hurry. They play at the second lowest pace in the NBA. They like to bring it up. They like to battle in the half court. 
and he likes to wear you down and go to his step back. It's amazing he can even get that shot off. It's just he really is remarkable, um, and they run everything through him. So if you can slow down him, you got a really good chance to win the game. All right, Alan Horton, radio voice of the Timberwolves. Have a uh, great holiday, uh, safe travels, and uh, well, we'll be listening for the call. I know we'll have Friday's game here on the uh, on the fan, but uh, we appreciate your time as always. Right on, guys. Appreciate it. Happy holidays to everyone. All right, very good. Alan Horton, good stuff there with the uh, radio voice of the uh, of the Wolves. And uh, Friday's game with the Celtics will be here on the fan with a 6 p.m. pregame. We'll put the final touches on the Jack Michaels show. Jack uh, heading out west for a little Holiday break. Derek and Brad here. We'll wrap things up on the fan after this. Welcome back to the Jack Michael Show. Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson with you. And uh, we'll take your phone calls, 237-3767, if you want to join us to talk about anything. Um, to wake up this morning... And find out that Carlos Correa is going to be a Met. It was about one of the more shocking things. I I don't remember anything this like where it's announced that he's going to go with one team, and then mm-hmm. boom, twenty four hours later, he's going to uh, athletes going to go to another team in the free agency era. I just don't ever, especially when they like had him almost in the building for the physical too, right? I mean, the, right. to go this far and for it to not work well, out they is were, shocking. I believe the plan was to announce him yesterday yes. to the media, and then all of a sudden the Giants said, "Well, wait, wait a minute." We've got some questions here, and all of a sudden he's gone. I just uh, you would I, think you know maybe if they just maybe there's if he doesn't clear the physical maybe he's, you know he's back on the market. The other thing too is you know the Twins had the offer what was it ten years two hundred eighty five million dollars, but it even shows even after this they weren't in the ballpark. No, no, that's just it. I mean if there if there's anything to come out of it to save you know whatever Derek and Falvey and Thad Levine if you want to criticize them for what I mean it's. Uh, and Scott Boris said it. He pretty much said the, the same thing. That you had a situation here where, you know, they, they they were they were just throwing stones in a pond. Isn't that what he said? Something like that. I mean, they they were like light years away. Mm-hmm. And he, he, Boris is very vocal about it. So I don't even fault the Twins. I mean, ten years at that type of money. I think that's a pretty good offer, not realizing you have two bigger markets come in and throw thirteen bleeping years at this right. guy. Yeah, that's. I wouldn't want to sign him for 13 years. And, I'm sorry. You know, if he's going to the Mets, he's not even going to play his main position. He's going to sounds like he's going to play third base. Unreal. You know, it's just yeah. And, and like I said, I talked about. I don't know. If, I don't know if this is all going to work out for the Mets. I mean, it hasn't yet. They kind of collapsed in September, and uh, the Braves passed him in the postseason, and they got beat early in the postseason. So it hasn't worked out quite yet. No. But uh, uh, boy, they're boy, they're just spending it like it's going out of style. Uh, 12:50, we go to the phones and Bud. Hello. For you, but you know, this is almost like a mortgage they're taking out on these guys. Yeah, but spread out over a lot of years. Here it's one that was really strange: Antoine Winfield. Oh yeah, he was the Jets, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. And they, the Vikings sent in somebody's buddy's jet and to get him away from the table to get him to come to Minnesota. It was really odd. Yeah, they host well, the Jets the a Jets couple times. The Jets don't like the Vikings because well, of that, and also the, Anthony Barr. That was another one too. Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, right, you just almost wonder if they shouldn't have let Anthony Barr go at that point. But yeah, it's uh, you know though he was always uh, respected as a, as a, for the type of linebacker he was. I didn't see you know he was seen on you didn't hear his name mentioned a lot during the game, but everybody was pretty happy with his production. Yeah. It seemed like. 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing because you you think about two guys that have been somewhat superstars of the Vikings for some time, but maybe not in the right position. Here you have Daniil Hunter, who's probably not in the right position for where he's at in this 3-4, and Anthony Barr probably should have been in a 3-4, and he might have been as feared as, you know, like a Jonathan Vilma or something like that. You know what I'm getting at? It's just that you, you just you kind know, of Jared, wonder. You know, I always like the coaches who said, well, you know, I'm going to coach the players I get. How can you try this with Daniel Hunter? I mean, yeah. it's just crazy. It's a waste of talent, if you ask me, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's it's much more the, the fold of the Chris Dolman 4-3. He just seems Correct. to be like that, and, and, and so he's kind of out of position right now, and it's unfortunate for him, and you just got to wonder with some decisions I make. I think he has a little bit of cap, you know, dead cap money if they let him go, but uh, it's going to be something to watch here with uh, Mensa and well, Kevin O'Connell, what they decide to do. They're going to need some draft picks, though. So. Oh, for sure. Yep. <laughs> and they, Especially after that disaster this year. So. I don't think the, the draft pick for uh, – I'm going blank on number five here. Uh, Seen? No. Oh, oh yeah, the wide receiver. Yeah, the wide. Why am I going uh, blank? Rager. Yeah, Rager. Who? Rager. Maybe yeah. had one of the worst games of his career yesterday. But you can certainly see why the Eagles gave up on him because he just can't run a simple route. I mean, that just—that's what it comes down <laughs> he's to. A, he's a punt returner. Oh my heavens! And you may have wanted that draft pick. Memory. Yeah. Yeah, I think they has a short memory because uh, I think that drill—they drill that into you pretty good. And we had. Uh, Patterson, who kind of had the same problem and turned him into an eventual running back. Mm-hmm. So, we'll yeah, see. Patterson's a weapon. He's the oddest looking he running is. back he ever. But, was. Yeah, but he, yeah. Uh, you know, you just got to kind of use him in the right spaces, but he just doesn't like to run routes. And I, these offensive coordinators in the NFL, running your route is pretty important. You know, that's why Adam Thielen, who's a not, I mean, he, he runs routes, and that's yep. why he's going to be in the league for a couple more years if he wants to. Well, I, you look at the you look at the draft. I mean, Ed Ingram is you know they you know gotten him into the starting lineup, but Seen was kind of a lost cause. Actually, maybe their best guy in the you know secondary in the back end was a free agent guy, Duke Shelley. He's played yeah. actually very well. Yeah, for sure. Right. But that draft looks bad right now, I'll tell you that. Yeah, there's no question. Well, it's uh, Bud, thanks for calling in. It's it, it Thank was, you. Hopefully some of these uh, guys do get healthy and they can you know, make it look like it's going to work out. But Duke Shelley, I don't think he can keep off the field now. I mean, I think he has to be the oh, guy. Oh, he's got to play. I mean, he's got to be the guy off of uh, Patrick Peterson because he, he may be a little – uh, shorter, but he's he's just making plays. I mean, he he saved the Bills game. He you know mm-hmm. it's just yeah. unbelievable plays that he made last week too against the Colts. You know the Vikings are going to have some decisions. I think we've talked about you know Delvin Cook. Do you decide you know if you're going to keep him long term or not? And that might be a cap hit. You know maybe a guy like Thielen too. How long is he going to? He's he going to play? I think Thielen will keep on taking reductions until he just decides to well, retire. He, well, he, he might have to if he's going to stay. Right. I mean that's just. But the boy, way you know, you just see how valuable he is, right? I mean, yeah. he's not going to. And, you know, getting that first down, being so good in the red zone, he's just going to be a hard guy to replace. I don't, I just don't know about that. Well, he's got great hands and everything else. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, KJ Osborne's had some moments, and obviously, Saturday was one of them. But you know, as it seems like from a consistency standpoint, it's hard to top what Thielen's given you for years. For so, sure, no doubt about that. Yeah, I'd be, so. I'd be all for sticking with him for a while. That is for sure. No, we certainly hope so. And I guess hopefully his uh, his body holds up. He's been a, of course, but it was this the success story. But he's certainly been. Uh, Vital part of that Viking offense. For we'll sure. be um, we'll be back tomorrow. I believe JG will join us. We'll check on Hopefully that. Hopefully, it works out if he's not on holiday already. Yep, that's very possible. And uh, if not, uh, we will have some more sports topics. We'll see what the world brings us.
Uh, Bison basketball teams, women lead 37-23 over St. Thomas. Up at the Shack at halftime, men are down to St. Thomas at the uh, half, 34-30. As uh, UND men's basketball was postponed to January the 23rd. And I can give confirmation... I don't think it's a big shock. Hunter Zenzen is a Bison now. Transfer from Iowa State. He did. So. It, it's official now. Well, yes. it's going to be as official to be. So it is official. Great. That's awesome. So so Bisonville, have fun. There you go. Twelve fifty-five. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Common man's next here in the fan.